need to be rested, you know. Um, church ought to be fun. It shouldn't be draining and, oh, got to go to church. Oh, got to get the kids together. Oh, so get your rest. And, uh, you know, while you're away, be sure that you go online and you tithe while you're away. We still need that. Amen. And uh, while you're away, make sure you go online and get the messages. It's important uh, to continue to be an investment and continue to be invested in. But we encourage restfulness, and we encourage you to get away and spend time with family. Um, but, you know, we want you to be rested uh, as you do that. So uh, my wife and I are going to be taking the trip next month all the way down to St. Augustine, Florida. Amen. All the way. Uh, but it's a getaway trip. There's no ministry planned. There's no meetings planned. There's no schedule, no agenda. And uh, so you will be thankful that we've taken that time as well. Our staff and our leadership will be thankful that I've taken that time. And so it's good. Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. And the storm rolling in. Apparently, God wants us to read from Hebrews chapter 11. He's already speaking. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to talk about faith. You can't talk about faith enough. You just can't. I mean, no matter how many times I look at the subject, no matter how many different messages I I minister, how many times we go down this road, I see something different. And I saw something different as I was kind of preparing here. And... um, uh, so, I, I mean, I, even today as I was preparing, this is one of those messages for me. Uh, it quickly turned into a Sunday message. By Sunday message, I mean longer and more in-depth uh, than what I usually do on Wednesday. And then the Sunday message quickly turned into a series. Uh, we're like, man, we could camp on this a while. And and so, you know, I was really struggling this afternoon as I was taking down notes. I was just, I couldn't take them down fast enough. And then I had to start breaking it down and saying, okay, what do I really need to hit on tonight? Because I can, I can leave that out and I can tweak this. I can shorten this up. And so hopefully I've condensed it enough for a Wednesday night message. And hey, if we don't, then we'll just touch base back there on next Wednesday. But God started showing me something here. And, and so I want to try to outline this and, and communicate it. As best as I can. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. One translation says good report. A good report. By faith. By faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. That means that everything that we see came from something that was not seen. Because faith operates in what you cannot see. What has not happened. If you can see it or if it has happened or if it is taking place, it's not faith. You can rule it out. Faith only operates in what you cannot see. Faith only operates in what has not taken place. Anybody? got something in their life that they have not seen or is not happening yet a couple of you all right good deal let's skip on down to verse six skip on down to verse six but without faith without faith it is impossible 
No way it can happen. Cannot be done. Impossible to please him. How many in this room want to please God with your life? Please the Lord with, with your decisions and your directions. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seek him. Now, skip on down to verse 8. This is going to set us up here. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Everyone say, obeyed. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Let's read that verse one more time. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Everyone say, obeyed. Obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Because if God would have said, hey, I need you to go to this place at this time, and there's going to be this, and there's going to have this, and it's going to be this, then it wouldn't have been faith. Because faith requires you to step out into something you have not seen, some place you have not been yet. That's how faith operates. But the key word that I want us to focus on here is by faith Abraham obeyed. Obeyed. Now, a lot of times when we talk about living by faith and walking by faith, uh, if you've been in those type of circles, um, if you've been around ministries or ministers or uh, been around churches or in churches that preach, you know, we got to live by faith. We got to have faith. God is pleased by faith. A lot of times when we hear those verses, and I'm probably not even going to read verses or tell stories today you've never heard. For some of you in this room. But a lot of times we receive it with this note of optional. Like, it's okay if I don't live by faith. It's okay if, if I don't step out all the way. It's okay if I don't put myself in a complete position of trusting God with my life. It, it, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm thankful for what God's given me. I'm thankful for what he's already placed in my life, for what I've already obtained as a matter of walking to the level and degree of faith that, I've already, that I already have. And so this encouragement to go deeper in our faith. How many of you have recognized that even when you believe God for something, the next time he calls you to step out in faith, it seems like you've never stepped out in faith before. Anybody been there? It seems like every level is a brand new level of stepping out. I believe God for $10. I didn't know where $10 was going to come from, but I just stepped out and said, God, you're going to have to supply. You're going to have to make a way. I'm trusting you. But then he asked you to step out for 20 bucks, and it's like, God, I can't. Whew, this is this is a big deal, God. I mean, you know, I could do 10. I, that was good. I got 10, but... Now this whole 20, I mean, it feels like you've never stepped out before. Every level is like, it's not just a little bit harder than the previous time. It's like, faith? What is faith? It's like you're having to re-up on faith all over again. Anybody been there? So this verse here in verse 8 tells us, by faith,
faith, Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed. I think one of the greatest dangers that we face in life today as believers is not necessarily a danger of being a failure. It's a danger of being faithless. Faithless. Because it seems like no matter what level of faith I've operated at previously, if I step out and this thing bombs or this thing doesn't take place, I'm a complete failure. Well, what I want to show you today is that the failure is in the actually never stepping out at all. That's what I want to identify today. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. It requires faith to obey God. Now, why is obedience such a factor? I mean, think about it. Okay, so God, uh, you know, lays something on your heart. And you know it's going to take faith to make this thing happen. Maybe it's to start a business. Maybe it's to become a parent. Maybe it's to, to, to be the right spouse. Maybe it's a financial thing. Uh, whatever it is that God lays on your heart. And, and so rather than receiving that as a command, we receive it as optional. We receive that as well, this is the direction God wants me to go. And if I don't achieve or if I don't make it or if I don't go, it's all good. Me and God are still good. But see, back in Genesis chapter 12, what Hebrews 11:8 is referring to, God spoke to Abraham and he called him out with a command. With a command. Nothing optional about it. He's telling Abraham, I need you to get away from your family. I need you to get away from what's familiar. I need to get you away from hometown, home living, and I need to get you somewhere where you have to trust me. You have to put your faith in me. I'm going to take you to a place. I'm not even telling you where you're going. There's no GPS for this thing. There's no map. There, there's no Siri. Uh, hey, which way am I going? What am I? It's just steps ordered by the Lord. But now let's get over to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Because we're going to see something here. That what God was calling Abraham to do wasn't just for Abraham. Again, this isn't a Sunday message. This isn't a series. I can't go super in depth. Uh, You just have to take my word for it. You can go look it up. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 17. He's promising Abraham. And he's saying, I am bringing you to a land that your descendants will live in. He actually even tells him, hey, look, I'm going to bring you to this land. You're going to live there. You're going to do good. You're going to prosper. You're going to become a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a child. And then he says, but those children, that, those descendants, that family is going to be taken away to a land where they don't know. They're going to become slaves. But then I'm going to bring them back in. He, he lays out the whole thing for him. The end of the road. The end of the map. And now it's up to his descendants and his family and generations after him to now walk out the thing that he spoke to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and 15 and 16 and 17. So now Numbers chapter 13. 
just to give you a little backup here, we've got the Israelites have been delivered from the land of Egypt. They've been enslaved. God, God raises up a man named Moses. Moses goes in and says, let my people go. We got ten plagues that come down. Moses brings them out. They cross the Red Sea. They're free from Egypt, but they haven't been delivered. Oh, it's a terrible place to be freed, but not delivered. So now they're in the wilderness. And they come up on the land that God's promising. Because, see, God didn't bring them out and said, I just want to get you out of Egypt. And then said, okay, what's plan? What's the next step? No, he knew. We're coming out of Egypt to go into something. God always brings you out of something to take you into something. And so now he's wanting to take them into. But the only way you're going to get in is if you get out. And so they got out of Egypt. But the problem is, is they didn't get Egypt out of them. And so they get to the promised land, E.D., past tense. This thing has been promised. When? Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 16, Genesis chapter 17. Promise, past tense. This is already yours. So look here in Numbers chapter 13. Look at verse 2. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan. This is the word of God to Moses. Send men. Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. I am giving. How many of you think that when God says, I'm giving, he's giving? Right? There's there's no need to doubt it. There's no need to question. I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall shall send a man, every one a leader among them. So these men are, are important individuals. They didn't just do, you know, paper, rock, scissors. They didn't just go down and say, uh, you, and close your eyes and do the whole thing. No, they said, bring us leaders. We want leaders of these tribes. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. These men were not going in to decide if they should take it. They were to go in and to decide how to take it. God isn't sending them in to say, hey, you know, I'm giving you this land, but you go check it out, see, you know, if, see if it's suitable, see if it works for you. Maybe I need to get you a different land. You know, go see, you know, make sure that, you know, you'll be able to get in there. It's, the decision's already been made. In Genesis chapter 12, and the other chapters that I listed, you wrote them down. You trust that you wrote them down. Decision's already been made. This is the promised land. This belongs to you. And so, these men are not supposed to be going in this land trying to decide if they're going to take it. They're supposed to be deciding how they're going to take it. And skip on down to verse 20. He gives some more instruction. They, they pick the individuals. They pick the men. And then God says this. Uh, you know, go in and check it out, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests there or not. And then he says these words, be of good courage. Be of good Now, if you've given us this land, why would I need to be of good courage? If you've already given it to me, why would I need to be courageous? See, a lot of times we think that God communicating the blessing takes out all the work. 
right? Like if God says, I want you to get that job, and we think it's just going to be easy peasy, lemon squeezy, climbing the ladder, and, and getting ourselves promoted, and people are going to love us, and their favor's going to go before us, and we start quoting all the verses, and we start, you know, my boss is going to love me, and then we get in there and we find out my boss hates my guts. They don't even want me here, and everybody else around here is lying and cheating behind my back. They don't even care about me. They're doing everything they can to get me out. But you told me to get in. Right? God says, buy that house. God says, I want you to have children, and you're, and, and you're just, you can't do it. And, and God is just, just proclaiming blessing in your life, but then leaving all the work up to us. Right? Anybody been there? Am I the only one that God's promised me something and then I find out that all the work is, I, I got to do all of it. Thanks, God. But here's why. Here's why. We got to pass the test. I got three Ps. I was working all afternoon to get three Ps. I was, watch, I was watching this watching this pastor, and, uh, you know, he, he said, while you guys are all out there working real jobs, I'm back here trying to make everything start with the same letter. So I was like, you're not a real pastor until things start with the same letter. So number one is pass the test. Pass the test. Is that funny? Pass the test. Watch this. Faith. Uh, well, let me, before you don't put it up, don't put it up, don't don't blow, don't blow my punchline. Any guy got any uh, math lovers in the room? Just love math. You just can't get enough of adding and subtracting and multiplying and dividing and, and figuring things out. We got a math teacher in the house, but that don't mean you love it. That don't mean you love it. No. Anyone remember the equation? A equals B. And B equals C, therefore A equals No. No, see? Talking about passing the test. A equals B and B equals C. So A equals C. Right? So watch this. Faith requires trust. Faith is trust. Faith requires trust. You can't have faith in something if you don't trust it you got to trust it. You can't have faith in God if you don't trust in God. Faith requires trust. Trust, trust, watch this. We may not have ever seen this before, and this is it right here. Trust requires submission. You don't fully trust something until you fully submit to it. Come on. What's that one boat? It's like a little small boat. And if you step in it wrong, that thing is going over, man. It is a, a canoe. No, don't do canoes. Don't do. No, if, if I am in a position where one step will put me in the water, forget it. I, I could do that on land. I don't need to get in a boat and do that. So I don't, I don't trust canoes. So you know what? I don't submit to canoes. I don't submit to their ability to hold me and keep me within the uh, device that's supposed to keep me dry, not get me wet. 
I got friends that can throw me in the water. I don't need a, a canoe that can dump me over. Come on. So you can't fully submit to something until you fully trust it. And if you really trust something, then you'll submit. Submission is key in faith. See, this is the, this is the separation that we've been putting with faith, as in if we don't walk by faith, we can still be obedient to God in some way. And what I want to show you today is that if you really trust God and if you really have faith in God, then you'll submit and obey. By faith, Abraham obeyed. So A equals B and B equals C. So therefore, faith requires submission. You can throw it up now. Faith requires submission. We can't separate faith and obedience, guys. If you're truly going to live a life of faith, you're going to have to truly live a life of obedience to God's word. What are the things that we haven't stepped out in? What are the things we haven't walked in? And and, and we've been thinking in the back of my mind, this is okay. And and, and we're going to find out why this obedience factor is so important. So many times we think that faith is for us. But I want to show you here that the faith is actually for God. It's actually for God. Look at Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. Skip on down to verse 27 now. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. So now the, 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 there's 12 spies that have gone out, one from each tribe, and there's 12 tribes. And so now they're coming back with the report. Remember, by faith, we get a good report. By faith, you get a good report. That means you don't have to see it to say it. By faith, which means I don't see it, but I'm still going to say it. When you live by faith, you will see it the way God sees it because you'll see it the way God says it. God's already spoken and said, this land is yours. So regardless of what they see in the promised land, it's still the promised land. You recognize that there's nothing that you can see in front of you that will take or revoke God's word from the situation. If he says that's your job, that's your job. If he says that's your bank account, that's your bank account. If he says that's your house, that's your house. If he says it, then you have to see it the way he says it. But what happens is we go in to the land and we say it the way we see it. And so by faith we obtain a good report. They told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit, positive. Nevertheless, that's just a fancy word for but. We all got buts. We all can throw in a but every now and then. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we see uh, or we saw, we saw naturally right here. We just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. You get what you, you, what you get is what you see. See, I can't even get the title right. What you see is what you get. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, 
dwell in the mountains. Now, you might be just thinking they're just naming off people. No, they're naming off some bad people. They're they're naming off enemies. They're naming off attackers. They're naming off people that don't want them there. These people are brutal. These people are brutal. They've already been attacked by the Amalekites in the wilderness. It was the, the, uh, the, the fight where Moses had to keep his arms up. Remember that one? See, these, they're not just saying, you know, uh, you know, there's Californians over here and there's some New Yorkers over here and then we got some southern people down here and we've got our Midwesterns over. No, they're naming off people. These, these names will ring a bell. And when they come back from spying out the land and they come back to the children of Israel and said, you won't believe what we saw. Well, they're going to get loose. The children of Israel are going to get loose. Remember, these are leaders. These are heads of the tribes. That means these people carry weight. What they say is important. What they say is valuable. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You know what that's called? That's called assumption. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. He's not even saying in their sight. He don't even know what they saw. They're saying we look like grasshoppers to them. They're already determining a response that they have towards us. This is a bad report. This is a bad deal right here. And so we were in their sight. A positive report here is framed by a negative report. Now I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter how many negative words you get. They will never stand against one positive word from God. All you need is one word from God. And it will stand against every doctor. It'll stand against every co-worker. It'll stand against every employer. It'll stand against every banker. It'll stand against every friend. It'll stand against every naysayer and hater. All you need is one word from God. Here we have 12 spies. Ten of them come back with a bad report. Two of them come back with a good report. Now, the issue is, is that they have just blurted out all this information to the children of Israel. The children of Israel who have been promised this land who have been told to go in and possess it, who have been told that this is your territory, this is where I want my people, my children, my nation to become inhabitants. This is a nation I promised you thousands of years ago to a man that was willing to obey. So God doesn't just see this as somebody that's just not willing to step out in faith on his word, he sees this, guys, watch this, 
as direct disobedience to his word. And this is where it comes home, guys. This is where it comes home. The title of this message, by the way, is Playing It Safe. All you note takers are mad at me now because you've got to make room up at the top, in between that top line and the little space up there to write down Play It Safe. That's all right. Faith requires trust. Trust requires permission. Therefore, faith requires permission. Their faith here was in their ability to obey God by going into the land. Now, I'm just give you just to get you onto the punchline. You get down to Numbers chapter 14. All the people go crazy. They want to stone Joshua and Caleb. They want to stone Moses. You brought us all the way out here to die because their report tells us that we can't take this land, so we must not be able to take this land. And then God ends up opening up the earth and swallowing up like 3,000 people at one time, and it was a huge mess. Let's just say you want to be on God's side. Let's just say you want to be one that walks by faith and believes God. God is so upset at this thing because he sees it as direct disobedience to his word. Now, that doesn't make living by faith any easier. I know that. Knowing that doesn't make, well, well yes, that does it. I'm going to walk out of here and live by faith then. I'm just going to believe God, and he's just going to show up and all my friends and all my haters and all the people at work, they're going to see. God's going to come through. I mean, I don't have a choice. i got to obey. That doesn't make it any much easier, but I'm helping you see it how God sees it. Hebrews 11, verse 6 said, It is impossible to please God without faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. Look at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. I see a parallel here. God wants you to walk by faith by first giving a command. God never expects you to step out without first calling him. Any step of faith. Now, see, some of us are walking out in faith and stepping out in faith on things that he hasn't called us to. Matthew chapter 14, the disciples get stuck out on a boat. The storm starts showing up. Jesus isn't with them this time. And he ends up showing up on the water, walking on the water. Okay? And in verse 26, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. He spoke a word. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out on the water. See, that needs to be our heart. God, if you want me to step out in this thing, you're going to have to call me. But see, some of us are stepping out on stuff he never called us to. Some of us are stepping out on things and we're having faith for things and believing God for things. He's saying, you need to back up and get back in the boat. I didn't call you out here. But now in this case, Peter says, if it is you, 
you're going to have to call me out on the water. I'm not stepping out because if I step out, I'll drown. But if you tell me to come out here, then I must be able to walk. And so the next verse, 29, he said, come. That's all he needed to say. Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, guys, he didn't walk on water. He walked on God's word. Because if he would have stepped out onto that water without Jesus saying, come, he's going straight to the bottom. You see that? So his level of trust was tied to his ability to submit. His level of faith was determined by his level of submission. Are you seeing this? So number two is prove your trust. Why is obedience such a factor? Why does God call you to do something and then leave all the work up to you? Why didn't he just cause Peter to levitate up out of the, uh, out of the boat and then just float upon the water and say, you know, come dance with me upon the, this lake and, and, you know, we'll show them what faith is all about. Why? No. Why? Because faith must be tested to be proven. If you really have faith, if you really trust me, if you're really believing in me, prove it. Obey me. Obey me. See, he was telling those 12 spies, you really believe I can give you this land? So don't walk up in that land and think that they're just going to bow down at your feet and say, oh, we've been waiting for you, Israelites. Please come and take our land away from us and, and destroy us. No, what did God say? Be of good cheer. Why? Because you're working hard. You ever had a teacher give you a test and then like try to build you up and pump you up before? God, come on, you got this. You can do this. It's like, good. If you believe in me so much, then... Just, hey, just give me the hundred. I don't even need to take the test. I don't even answer. I studied. I got this. Hey, you got this. You, I mean, I had teachers like that that were just so encouraging. And Sorry, yeah. But what are they saying? Prove it. Be of good courage. You got this. You can pass this test. But see, we don't want our faith tested. We just want to say, God, I got faith. God, I believe in you. Just get me that job. Just go ahead and promote me. Just go ahead and let that, that favor stuff that you talked about go. God, you don't need to test me. I, I know that I can believe you for the finances for that. You, you don't have to test me. Just go ahead and dump it in my, go ahead and send that person with that super spiritual handshake that puts the 20 in the other hand, you know, and they go to shake. Brother, I just want to be a blessing to you. You just pull your hand away and there's money there, right? We want to go outside and we want the, the clouds to open up. And no, God is saying, be of good courage. There's a test. It's called the fight of faith for a reason. Well, we just did our series not too long ago, Challengers and uh, Challenges and Challengers. Every test is brought so you can prove something. They don't test you in high school to keep you in high school. They want you out. But you got to test out. You got to prove that you know it. 
You've got to prove that you're able to go to the next level. So number one, we've got to pass the test. Number two, we've got to prove our trust. Prove our trust. Why is it that by faith Abraham obeyed? Because until Abraham's faith is tested, it's not proven. So he tests him and he says, all right, all right, here's the blessing I want to give you. Now, first, I need you to get up out of this land and go to a place that I'm going to send you. I'll tell you where to go. You're going to be a father of many nations? You're going to have to believe me for the first time. And it may take 25 years, but you're going to stand on my word, and you're going to obey me. Oh, and then when you have that child, just to make sure you're trusting in me, I'm asking for the faith. Because until the faith is tested, your faith isn't proven. Easy to say you got faith until it's tested. This is a game that I like to play. You can go home and try it if you want. You got 10 minutes. Don't do it right now. But you got 10 minutes. You got to name all 50 states. Now, how many of you think you could do that in 10 minutes? All 50 states. Oh, you're not feeling so bold. Yeah. yeah. It's harder than you think. Now, in my mind, you know, I think I could do it. I haven't done it in a while, but last time I did it, I came up a couple short. And you're, all, and you're always scrambling for the last two. It's like, man, you've got to be kidding me. You tear the paper away, and you go to try to do it again, and you remember those two, but then you forget another two. It's never-ending. Go home and try it. It's one of those things, yeah, I can do it until you're tested, and it's like, oh, wait. You, you, want, me, you want me to prove it? You want me to write them down? You don't believe me that I, I know them? I mean, come on now. Faith isn't tested until it's proven. Number one, you've got to pass the test. Number two, you've got to prove your trust. This is interesting. God isn't just looking at what you're capable of. He's looking at what you already have. God isn't looking at the children of Israel and saying, I want you to take this land. He's saying, I've already given you something take the land. You realize that what you need to pass the test is already in your possession. You already have every resource. You already have everything you need to pass the test ahead of you. And you'll find out. You, 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 you keep on reading. You go into Joshua when they finally get into the promised land 40 years later. I hope it doesn't take some of us 40 years to prove our But 40 years later, they finally get in, and the same two men that spoke up and said, we can, are the ones to take them in, Joshua and Caleb. And they didn't necessarily use the greatest war tactics. They didn't necessarily, you know, have the greatest training and were the strongest men. I mean, I I don't know what kind of military tactic it is to walk around uh, an entire city that's fortified seven times. I mean, I don't, I don't know what book you drew that one up out of. I, I don't know where that comes from. But see, God doesn't need those resources. need to get you those resources. It means you, you, you don't have to have all the qualified training that 
you're supposed to have for that job, he'll still get it to you. He doesn't need you to go, his school, go to school as long as they say you need to go to school to, to take on the next achievement. He doesn't need you to grow up on the right side of the tracks. He doesn't need you to have, uh, to have grown up with the right uh, dad to be the right dad. Come on, is anybody in the room here? You, am I preaching anybody to right now? The resource that he has is his word. And so if he's placed the word inside of you, that's all you need. That's all the resource you need. And so now you're being tested upon the word he's already given. That's all you need. And so he sees these Israelites not based upon their position compared to those that are in the land. He just sees what he's given them. Let me show you another example real quick in Matthew chapter 25. Hopefully we can drive this point home. Matthew chapter 25. Starting with verse 15, uh, Jesus is given a parable and he says this. uh, A master, a Lord, went away and he gave five talents to one servant, two talents to another servant, and one talent to another. Have all heard this one before? Parable of the talents. To each according to his own ability. And immediately, he went on a journey. I think it's interesting here. He doesn't give any command to them what to do with it. They just know. They just know. The master's put something in my possession. He's gone. And when he gets back, he's going to expect something different than what I have in my possession right now. And so we know that while they're gone, the one with five, doubles his investment and profits 10. And then we know that the one with two doubles his investment and profits four. And to both of them, the master comes and says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with little. Now you'll be made ruler over much. And then he does the same exact response to the one with the four. But then I want you to skip on down to the one with the one. This is what I want you to see. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. That's what you call playing it safe. See, we've been playing it safe with our faith. To everybody, he's given a measure of faith. What I want to identify to you today is the greatest failure is not in failing. The greatest failure is in never stepping out and playing it safe. See, the children of Israel in Numbers 13, we played it safe. You you, you delivered us. Man, we're we're not in Egypt anymore. Thank goodness. Let's just play it safe. Play it safe, man. They say this that in sports, that it's identifiable when a team begins to play it safe. What's that mean? They're already ahead. And now they're trying to protect their lead rather than trying to continue to score. They've they've turned their attention from from hammering down and scoring to now just trying to defend. I've been let down. 
with my favorite team three times. Two Super Bowls with the New England Patriots and a game with the Texas Longhorns and Texas Tech to go to the national championship. We play the Gators twice. We've done the Austin matchup. But history will never know. Because all three teams got down with less than two minutes in the game ahead and decided rather than being aggressive, they changed their stance and decided to protect, and all three of them lost the game. Are we going to be people that are going to play it safe with our faith, or are we going to be people that are going to continue to step out and continue to go and continue to advance to the next level? We have an individual here. He's been given one. And, man, he's just he's so excited about that one. He decides, you know what, I'm just going to take I'm going to put it in the ground. I'm, I'm going to play it safe. Chase, if you'd come up. I'm just going to play it safe. If he comes up and plays, I'll understand quickly. <laughs> Constant reminder that we're closing. Yes, that's a lesson. That's a lesson. Watch this. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. I mean, how easygoing he was with the first two guys is such a contrast with how hard he is on this last guy. You wicked and lazy servant. We just went from faithful servant ruler over much to wicked and lazy servant. He didn't spend it. He didn't lose the one. He didn't say, ooh, I've got one talent. I'm going to go blow it on, uh, you know, I'm going to go take a vacation. I really need a break from this place. The other two put it to work, and he just sat on it. And he said, you wicked and lazy servant. Watch this. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Watch this. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I, I, I would have received back my own, my own, my own with interest. You have to understand that God has put it in your possession, but it is still his. It still belongs to him. Now watch this. A lot of times we think God wants me to have a new car. God wants me to have a family. God wants me to have this position. Or God wants me to start this business. But God needs you to. Here's what I want you to see tonight. The reason why obedience and submission is so vital to our faith is because you don't have it because God wanted you to have it. You have it because God needs you to have it. He needs you in that position because he knows there's more influence to be made. He needs you to have that bank account because he knows what you can do with the finances. He needs you to have that family because he knows he, he needs those children to be raised up in the word of God and make a difference when they grow older. He needs you to start that business because he knows you're going to help advance the kingdom with it. Not because he wants you to. God just wants me to have a new house. God just wants me to have a nice car. God just wants me to make this amount of money. No, he needs you to. Therefore, you need to submit. Therefore, you need to develop 
obedience. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, your level of faith is directly related to your level of Your level of faith is directly related to your level of faith. Every level of faith requires another level of submission. Why does it feel like I just stepped out in faith for something, believed God for it, it showed up, and now he's having me step out in this next thing, and I feel like I'm stepping out all over again. Because it's another level of obedience. The level of obedience that got you at that level of faith is not going to be enough to get you to the next level of faith. Guys, here's where we've been missing it. We've been asking God to grow our faith, expand our faith, deepen my faith, and he's saying, I need you to submit. I need you to obey. I need you to operate at another level of obedience. You want greater faith, but you don't have greater submission. You won't get two until you're faithful with the one. You won't get five until you're faithful with the two. You won't get ten until you're faithful with the five. You don't get into the promised land with the same faith that got you out of Egypt. The same faith that got you out of Egypt is going to keep you in the wilderness until you develop a greater level of submission to my word to go places that I'm telling you you can go. They couldn't see themselves out of Egypt. They couldn't see themselves without getting their three square meals uh, a, a day from the, uh, the, the Egyptians and the beatings and the things that were coming on their back. And they're walking around in the wilderness not able to obtain the promised land because they're stuck in Egypt. Because their level of obedience here was not going to get them here. God will never increase your faith outside of your willingness to obey. Never increases your faith unrelated to your level of submission. So the question tonight we willing to obey? Um, if you're willing to obey, he's able to increase your faith. No longer do we have a separation from our faith and our obedience. Because when it's all said and done, he's saying this, do you really trust me? Do you really Do you really believe me? I believe you can work in my finances. I believe that you can. I, I know that you promised me riches. You promised me wealth. You promised me abundance. You promised me more than enough. And he's saying, yeah, but you're not being obedient with what you have. God, I want to have faith for X amount. And he's saying, you're not doing what I asked you to do with Y amount. You're not a tither with the $1,000 a week paycheck. Why would I give you $2,000 a week? Faith is directly related 
So tonight, just on the inside, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to understand this. I didn't even give you my last point. See, I spent all that time on making everything match, and I don't even use it. What a waste. My last point was play it safe. You do need to play it safe. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you do need to play it safe. But here's what I want you to understand. See, the children of Israel, they thought that they were playing it safe by not going into the promised land. But I want you to understand something tonight. There is no safer place to be than where God has told you to be. Do you realize, do you understand the protection that was about to show up in those Israelites' life if they could just make the step in obedience to go into the promised land? See, we're so concerned with failing. Most people don't step out in faith because they're worried about failing. I don't want to believe God for that amount of money because what if I don't? I don't want to believe God for that size house because what if I don't get it? I'm all right being assistant manager. I don't need to be the main guy. I don't need to be the head person. And and, and what happens if I'm going out trying to get it and doing all these things and believing God and telling people, yeah, I'm going to do that. God's called me to be that. And then I don't. They give it to somebody else. What happens? What happens if I step out in faith for my healing? And, and, And what happens if I don't get it? We are more concerned with failing than being faithless. I'm going to tell you right now, you are better off stepping out of the boat in faith than staying in the boat in fear. Now, I'm preaching to myself because there's some things that God's laid on my heart just personally and with the church as well that I'm saying, man, that's, that's stretching me, God. I don't know if I want to come there. Ever had God put something on your heart and you're like, God, I'm really all right where I'm at. I don't, I don't need that. God, I trust you with what I have. And he's saying, I got other more I want to get to. And remember, it's not because he wants you to have it. It's because he needs you to have it. He needs you that with that paycheck. He needs you with that job. He needs you with that influence. He needs you. He needs you, guys the master went away and was relying on his servants to do his work for him. Yeah, you're right. I am a master that reaps where I haven't planted. That's because I need you to plant it because you're going to reap for me in the kingdom of God. wants you to play it safe. But the safest place you will ever be is smack dab in the will of God. The safest place you will ever be is in obedience to His Word. Now, I I know that it, it seems contrary. I know that it seems quite a contrast with safety and the unknown.
safety in the unknown. Because faith is living in the unknown. Faith is living where you've never been. Faith is 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 being in a place where where I, I've never had to do this before. I've never been here before. I, I've never had to take this step before. But the safest place you can be is in the middle of what God has asked you to do. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want to see by a show of hands, how many of you, God has called you to a place that you've been fearful to step out for fear of failing? Come on, you, don't be shy. Father, right now, every individual in this room, that you've called them, you've addressed an area in their life, you have, have called them to a higher purpose, to going further, to going deeper, but, the, but the, there's been a hesitancy, a reluctance to take that step because what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What will people think? What will people say? What will become of me? Father, I thank you for your grace and your mercy upon their life. But I thank you for a strengthening of their faith because we acknowledge tonight I will no longer disobey the word of God. I will obey and I will step out in faith. I will obey and I will step out in faith. I will obey because I trust you. Because I trust you. Because I have faith. Um, Father, we thank you for this word tonight. We thank you that you are developing our faith within us as we increase our obedience to your word. We'll obey. No longer do we see it optional. No longer do we see it as, you know, well, if God wants me to have it. No, you need us to have it. And so we walk out, step out in faith, even when we don't know, even when we can't see, because we know that you make all things work. We thank you for this tonight in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen.